That was awesome. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. You're welcome. A lot of women said thank you, and uh, this is great. I don't know if you knew that, but Mother's Day is one of the highest attended Sundays uh, at church across the country. After like Easter and Christmas, it's Mother's Day next. Isn't that crazy? I remember when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. Uh, My mom drugged me to church every week. Some of you, like I saw this concern on your face. You're like, geez, really? You never shared that before. Some of you, I say that because some of you have that same problem. So we're glad if you're here today because you're a good kid. And your mom said, all I want is for you to come to church with me. That's great. We're so glad you're here. I hope you have a good time with us today. And maybe give her another gift next week because it means even more if you come the next Sunday after Mother's Day. So I hope you'll come and... Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. We hope that you'll make it a regular thing with us. Uh, By the way, Father's Day? Nobody comes to church on Father's Day. (laughs) So you you tell me what that means. I don't know what that means. Uh, But anyway, we're so glad you're here. It's fun. What a perfect day for Mother's Day. Man, it is awesome out there. We're really excited about it. All right, well, we're in a series called The Good Place. We are right in the middle of the series. It's a four-week series on heaven and hell and everything in between, uh, which is nothing. There's only heaven and hell, um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We talked, in the first week, we talked about death. Last week, we talked about hell. It was originally scheduled for Mother's Day to preach on hell, but it's not Mother-in-Law's Day, um, so, so we went ahead and switched that, and, uh, and so we're, we, we did hell last week because we couldn't save it for Father's Day. That's too far out, and... Uh, but we're doing, we're doing a heaven today. So today we're talking about heaven, everything fact and fiction about heaven. It's going to be great. It's funny because we, we're calling the series A Good Place. Um, we kind of on purpose did that because culturally today there's, a, there's a, kind of a newer show out called The Good Place. We're not necessarily recommending the show. I've heard that there's some raunchiness in it. So we're not necessarily recommending the show. But I, last night I did, I did decide to watch the first episode because I thought... I haven't actually even watched this. I have no idea if you guys are watching the good, how many of you watch The Good Place? Raise your hand if you, or if you've seen it before. You're like, I don't know, if you said it's raunchy, I'm not going to raise my hand. Um, the first episode isn't. The first episode's really cute and it's funny. And, and here, so here's, this is what's really interesting. I, the, reason I, the reason I'm bringing this up before we get into today's message on heaven is because as I was watching the first episode, I realized some people might get their theology from this show. Like, really? Like, I'm watching this. I'm like, in popular culture, so many people don't even go to church anymore. Like, they might watch, and it's just a funny tongue-in-cheek show. It's not, they're not trying to teach theology, but we get it. We pick up what we pick up, right, in popular culture. And I think it actually reflects how people think about heaven and hell. And so here's the premise. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but the basic premise is this is that, not in the Bible, in the good place. In the good place, the premise is that you make it to the good place, that's called heaven, or that's what they call heaven, and then there's another place called the bad place. And the the angel, I'm assuming it's an angel, Michael, I'm not sure yet. I I think there's a lot of twists and turns later on, and I don't even know because I've only watched the first episode. But the basic idea is Kristen Bell ends up in the good place, and as as Michael's explaining it to her, he says... He says, here's how it works. Your, your whole life, we figured out what was good and what was bad. There's a rating system, and you either got a, po- a positive score, positive 10 or positive 10,000, 
or you got a negative score based on what you did or thought or whatever, and they said, we add up those scores when you die, and if your score is really high, you make it to the good place. They said, it's not just, it's not just if you scored in the positive, like barely scored in the positive. It's if your score is really good. And he said, very few people make it to the good place. Isn't that interesting? Very few people make it to the good place, but you made it because you were so good. And so that's kind of the premise of the, of the show. I, and I thought, that is so interesting. Isn't that, isn't that kind of how we think about heaven and the afterlife? I think just generally, by default, in America at least, I don't think this has been true of his, in history, but I think in America, I think that's kind of how most people think, that if I was basically a good person, I'd go to the good place. And if I was a bad person, really bad, I'd go to the bad place. But we're all basically good. I mean, nobody, anyone worse than Hitler in here? Nobody? Nobody worse than Hitler? Good. So we're all basically good people. So I think we just generally think we're all going to go to the good place. And we think, I'm not saying we think that, but maybe your neighbors think that, or maybe some of you do think that, is you think that that's kind of how it works. If my good outweighs my bad, then I'll go to heaven. I'll go to the good place. I hope you don't take your theology from Netflix. <laughs> Because that's cute and it makes for a funny show, but it's actually not what the Bible says at all. So many people live that way, like, my good, does my good outweigh my bad? Does my good outweigh my bad? The Bible says there's only one way to heaven. We're going to talk more about this next week. The only way to heaven is if Jesus, because of his good, outweighs your bad. Because the truth is, your good never outweighs your bad. The Bible says that our hearts are all wicked and broken. The Bible says we're all born into sin. The Bible says we're all basically bad, we're all basically broken, but that Jesus saves us when we put our faith in him, when we come to the cross and we say, I recognize Jesus that what you did, you did for me, and that I'm broken and I can't save myself, and I can't start outworking my bad, and so I'm going to stop trying, and I'm going to put my faith in you, and thank you for forgiving me and saving me, thank you for that incredible gift, and the Bible says that when you come to him like that, then he forgives you, and he makes you his child, and that's on that basis and that basis alone that you're saved. Now, we'll talk more about that next week, but I just want to make sure that you understand that's not how it works. It's interesting because in the middle of the pilot episode, Kristen, by the way, so what happens is they made a mistake, and she's not that person that they think she is, so she shouldn't be there. She realizes that she's, you know, it turns out she's a pretty terrible person, a really selfish, terrible person, and they made a mistake, but Michael doesn't know it yet. And so I guess that's what the show's about. And it's so funny as she's arguing about this with her soulmate, which apparently you have in heaven. You have, with her soulmate, she says, she says um, I'm just a medium person. I'm not really good and I don't deserve to be here. And I'm not really bad. I'm just medium. Why isn't there just a medium place? Like Cincinnati. That's what she says. So that, that line caught me. I'm like, I'm going to keep watching this show until it gets too bad and raunchy and then forget I ever promoted it, okay? <laughs> so today we're going to talk about heaven and hell, fact and fiction, because we're going to get it from God's Word, not from Netflix. Here's what God's Word says about it. And again, I hope that you will take the resources that we have online related to this and talk about it with your family, with your, with your spouse. Talk about it with your mom today. Unpack it more with your mom. Talk about it with a small group this week or with your mentor. But here it is, fact and fiction, four things. We're going to go fast. 
Number one, fact. Heaven is real. It's not some fake thing. It's not something up in the clouds. It's not some, it's not some ethereal place. It's not, you know, it's not like what most people think when they say, oh, he's in a better place. He's in a better, we all say that. We comfort each other at funerals and stuff or when your dog dies. Oh, he's in a better place, you know. He's in a better place. It's not just something we say to comfort somebody. It's actually a real place. And real people go there. And hell, last week we talked about this. Hell is a real place and real people go there as well. You're fine because you came to church on Mother's Day, so everyone in here is fine. But heaven's real. It's different than you think. Let's take a look at some scripture. The Bible says this in John John 14, Jesus speaking. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home, he says. If this were not so, what I have told you that I'm going to a place to prepare for you and so Jesus is doing this. This is kind of, I like to call this Jesus' pep talk. John 13, chapters 13 through 17, it's his pep talk to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And you, he could see that their hearts were troubled. He looked at them, and he'd been telling them, you can go read this for yourself, but he'd been telling them that he's going to go away. And, they, and they, he'd only been there for three years with them, discipling them. And, and they thought, they had different ideas about what Jesus was going to do on the earth. And he's like, no, nope, I'm almost done. But don't worry, he was saying. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me because I'm going to prepare a place for you. I don't know if you guys have been prepping your, your vacations for this summer, if you guys take a family vacation. I, I know some people prep the moment they get back from their previous year's vacation, you know, and you start thinking about where we're going to go next, next year, what are we going to do, and some of you guys do all this prep and all this, I mean, you spent a lot of money and you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to do to have some fun as a family in the summer. I want you to think about this. Jesus is preparing for your vacation. I mean, as fun as your last vacation was or as fun as this year's vacation is going to be, that's great. But it's not going to hold a candle to what Jesus is preparing for when we go to be with him. And that's what he's saying. He says, don't, don't let your heart be tr- hearts be troubled. It's not all about here and now. It's not all, all, all about what happens right here on the earth. He says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It's a real place. And there's more than enough room for you. And he goes on in, in the next verse. He says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. Heaven is a real place, and Jesus is making it ready for you. How many of you have some home improvement that you're doing right now at your house? Just raise your hand, or maybe some yard work you're doing. Yesterday, we, uh, as a Mother's Day gift, um, we worked on the yard all day long. I worked on one sprinkler line all day long. That was my Mother's Day gift to my wife. And she, when she heard about this, that that was my Mother's Day gift just this morning, she didn't realize that's what it was. Um, <laughs> She got a little bit upset, so Tracy, I'm sorry, that's not your Mother's Day gift. The chocolate bar you got on the way in is your Mother's <laughs> Day gift. I mean, but just think about how much you toil. Like, we're out there toiling, and, and Tracy loves to decorate, and she, every, it's like every new season, she's got to buy a new knickknack, and she's always, she's always making our place nice. She's always making our place homey and welcome and beautiful. And our kids now, as our kids are growing up, like they look at that and they realize like how awesome 
is this, like I'm so, there's like, they, they, on today, a day like today, they're like, praise you Jesus for my mom, because she made a place for us. If, if it weren't for my mom, we would live in a cardboard box, right? Our kids recognize that, because I do not care about the place and the environment, and the, I'm just, that's not on my mind, that's not how I'm wired. But listen, I want you to look at this. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, and he says, when it's all ready. In, in, in fact, what he was saying is, it's not even ready yet. Wait till you see what I'm making for you. Wait till you see how awesome this is. I mean, my kids will understand this. If any of you live in a home and you love your, you, there's nothing like home, home sweet home. Like, I want you to know, like, that is, that's a taste of heaven. A taste of heaven when someone puts thought and energy and money into your yard or your home. That's a taste of heaven, but it's just a taste. It's not even close to what you're going to experience in eternity. Because Jesus is better than your mom. And he's preparing a better place. Heaven is real. That's the first fact. Here's a fiction. We're, again, we're going to kind of work through these pretty quickly. Fiction. Heaven will be boring. How many of you on the way over uh, the, with your mu- music selection on your way to church this morning listen to some harp music, some just cool harp music? Just raise your hand. I didn't think so. I'm actually glad because I'm about ready to make fun of you if that's you. <laughs> Harp music is boring. It's so boring. I mean, no offense if you're into that kind of thing, but that's the picture so many people get of heaven is like this androgynous looking angel playing a harp. Like, who wants to go to that concert? <laughs> Nobody. And, and my, when I was growing up, I, my picture of heaven was a, like a white, a white room, a big white room, and everyone's dressed in white, and everyone's so quiet, and it's just very peaceful, and, you know, so-and-so, this, this weird-looking guy is playing the harp in the corner. And then I started thinking about this. Wait a second. That sounds like an insane asylum. My, my picture of heaven is an insane asylum that we're, like, in straitjackets so nobody does anything bad or gets into any trouble, and everything's white so that nobody gets too excited. That's not the picture of heaven in the Bible. I want you to know that's not what the Bible says at all. Heaven will not be boring. Let's look at a picture in Revelation chapter 21, just a little bit, and I'm going to read some more from the Bible itself. And I encourage you, if you want to see what the Bible says about heaven instead of what Netflix says about heaven, read Revelation 21. It says, then I saw, this is John writing this revelation God gave him about heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. I love it as you read on. I'll just read some of it in here. So it says in verse 10, So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. There's no mention of white in here. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels, and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were, there were three gates on each side, east, 
north, south, and west, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And you read on, it just talks about this unbelievable picture of heaven, and, and what it reminds me of is Utah. Like, seriously, I grew up in Chicago. Maybe that's why I had such a bleak vision of heaven. The Great Plains are so boring. They're so boring. I mean, there's trees. I love trees. But other than that, it's just boring and muggy and humid. Heaven is like Utah, only better. It's not January, Utah. Right? It's May, Utah. And it's, I mean, it's snow on the mountains and green. It's before everything turns deserty and dry. I mean, just next time, I mean, today when you walk out, just breathe in the air and you'll say, this is just, just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Just a taste. It's just going to be better. The Bible says heaven, the Bible says in this, in this passage that, that God is, that heaven's going to come down. He's gonna, the, the old, this old, this old rotten world is going to go away, but that he's going to recreate it as a new world. I used to think that heaven was some, again, up in the clouds somewhere, some third or fourth or fifth dimension. No, it is, it is like this, only better. That's what heaven is. It's like this, only better. And here's how it's better, just a few quick ways it's better. Number one is there will, will not be any, any brokenness physically anymore. There's no physical brokenness in heaven. Think about it. The, when I was working on the sprinklers all day yesterday for my wife as her Mother's Day present, I, I, every time I got up from the ground, I'm like, oh, grabbing my back. And I mean, it takes me a while. I'm, I'm stretching. I'm just thinking, you know, I remember used, I used to watch my neighbors do this, and I thought they were so old. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I'm not that old. And then I took my shoes and socks off and started counting. I said, I am old. I'm an old person. In heaven, there will be no sore backs or bags under your eyes. There is no drooping in heaven. None of that. There's no sagging in heaven. That's tweetable. Go ahead if you want to write that down real quick. The Bible says that our physical bodies, when they'll be buried, when, when you die, it'll be buried. It'll go from dust to dust. We came from the dust and we go back to the dust. But the Bible says in heaven we'll have new bodies. And it, and it doesn't exactly tell us what they're like. But it says that they are not broken or hurting or in pain or anything at all whatsoever. So pick out the best body you like, right? And it's better than that. It's better than that. Because there's no brokenness in heaven physically. There's no brokenness in heaven emotionally. Think about it. Every emotion, every bad emotion, every emotion that sometimes gets you down, anxiety, depression, grief, Low self-esteem, anything in your world. You know, the Bible says that we're broken, and that means that, that that includes emotionally broken. We're all emotionally broken, every one of us, okay? Every single one of us. But part of, the, part of the deal with being in Christ is that we're fixed emotionally. But not perfectly. If you're a Christian, you still have emotional brokenness. You're still going to have some of that. You're never going to be perfect on this earth. But in heaven... The Bible says there's no more crying or tears or pain. So you will be emotionally whole. You will not be insecure at all. Whatever that thing you're insecure about right now, that's not going to exist in heaven. Because you've got the perfect body, remember? 
There's no insecurity in heaven. There's no emotional brokenness in heaven. And one last thing, we can go on forever, but relationally, everything is perfect relationally. There's no relational brokenness in heaven. You know, the, the Bible says that the whole point to the whole point to faith, the whole point to pursuit of God is that you would love God and love people as yourself. But you know, it's so hard to love God and love people. It's so hard to like love people perfectly. I just was talking to a mom in the first service and she was really emotional. And I said, hey, what's going on? I gave her a hug and prayed for a little bit. And, and she said, I just, I'm afraid I just, I, I said something to offend my kids today, her, her adult children. And she said, I'm just, she said, I just feel so bad that there's, a, that there's just a wedge there in our relationship. And, and I think they're avoiding me now on Mother's Day. The Bible says that in heaven there will be no relational brokenness. No, no misunderstandings, no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no holding grudges, no mean words. The Bible says that heaven is a real place, and it's not going to be boring. It is going to be a place of health and wholeness in every way that you could possibly imagine. And you should want to go there. Here's the third thing. We've got two more. You know, I'll, go, I'll go quick because we've got some baptisms today. The fact is that heaven is what you were made for. Again, maybe you, you work so hard in your home or in your yard or on your vacations that, that there's just a little piece of you, that, that there's just a little part of you, or maybe for some a big part of you, that says, like, this is all there is, so I better live it up now. Like, I, I, better, I better live my life to the fullest right now because I don't have it. I don't know what's going to happen after this. Do you see why it's so important to understand what the Bible says about heaven, not what Netflix says about heaven? Because if what Jesus says about heaven is true, then it is worth waiting for. It is worth investing in rather than just investing in this life and your next vacation and your home and your next car and whatever, even your body. <laughs> Sometimes we just try to bring heaven to earth. We try so hard to make everything right and perfect here because we think this is our last chance. The Bible says, no, no, no. You were actually made for heaven. Every urge you have to be relationally, physically, emotionally healthy or perfect, every urge you have is actually a good urge, but it will not be fulfilled on this earth. It will only be fulfilled in heaven because heaven is what you were made for. Let's go to the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22. It's the very last chapter in the Bible, and it says this, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, it flowed down the center of the main street. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop in each month. I'll let you read the rest of Revelation. But it's a picture of this beautiful tree just running through this, the new city, the new Jerusalem that had come from heaven out of God and onto earth. And it's this, this picture, and it's, the, the main picture we have is just, just this massive river that just runs right through the temple and right through the city. And, and the river is just bringing life everywhere. And life is just springing up everywhere. And that life is what Jesus will give us ultimately in heaven. And we'll have tastes of it. We'll have a little bit of that here on earth. But in heaven, it's where it's going to be complete. You were made, here's the fact, you were made for heaven. This is not your home. 
Heaven is your home. And I want to read from the very last chapter in the Bible, the very last section. I, I just love this. I love how God chose to end the whole Bible. Look at how big that book is. That's a big book. And here's how he ends his book. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life, from this river. And it says in verse 20, and he who is the faithful witness to all these things, that's Jesus, says, Yes, I am coming soon to make all things new. To end the toil here on earth, I'm coming soon. And I love how the author ends his book, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He ends this book. The very, the very last verse of the Bible says this, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. You know, it dawns on me that some people... Like John say, come Lord Jesus. When they see the picture of heaven and how easy it is to get there, then they say, come Lord Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear eternity. But we can welcome it in. One of the guys that I mentor, his father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He's in his 80s, I believe, maybe even his 90s. And he decided not to fight it. The doctor said, you'll have weeks or maybe a couple of months if you don't fight it, but if we aggressively treat it, maybe we'll gain you another six months. And he said, you know what? I'm ready to be with Jesus. He knows Jesus, and he looked at his kids, and he looked at his wife, and he says, hey, guys, I'm good. I'm ready to be with Jesus. What he was saying is, come, Lord Jesus. Do you know why he can say that? Because he knows what the Bible says about heaven and how to get there. The Bible says we get there by placing our faith in Jesus Christ because his good outweighs our bad. And that's the only way to get there. If you're here today and you want to put your faith in that Jesus and you want to have that assurance of salvation that, that what the Bible says about heaven is yours, it's a promise that can't be taken away, the only way to get there, the only way to get there is to trust in Jesus for your salvation. So I want to close this service today by just praying a quick prayer. And if, if you... If you have never put your faith in Jesus, or, or maybe you're not sure if you have, I want to invite you to do that even today as I pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you want to pray a prayer like that with me, do it today, just in your head or in your heart. Pray a prayer something like this. Lord Jesus, I praise you that you went to prepare a place for me. And I can't wait to see it. Today I confess my need for you. I recognize that I'm a sinner, but that you died on the cross to save me and to set me free and to make me whole spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally, in every single way. And today I receive your free gift of salvation. I trust Jesus that you went to the cross and died for me and rose from the dead and declared victory over hell and, and sin and death in the grave. And I receive your forgiveness today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that for anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new person. 
and that you can say, come Lord Jesus. If you've made that, if you've prayed that prayer today, maybe for the first time, I just hope you talk to someone today, come up and ch- chat with me for just a quick minute, or at least use your welcome card and say, hey, I prayed that prayer today. We'd love to know about it and reach out and encourage you. We're going to end our service today. It's really cool what we get to do today. We're going to end our service today with a few baptisms. What a fun day. We got to do a baby dedication this morning uh, before this sermon started. And great worship time. And now we get to see some, some uh, kids get baptized. I want to just say this one thing about baptism. Baptism is a thing that we do because we're saved. It's not something that we do to save us. The Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus, that one of the practical steps of obedience that you can take after that is to get baptized. And that's exactly what's happening right here. So let's celebrate with them.